It's game day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano, and I'm joined here by my co-host, the Zoobs. How's your Thanksgiving, buddy? It was okay. You know, the, the industry is what it is. It wasn't an especially long weekend, but happy to be back doing podcasts, talking to you, talking Maple Leafs hockey. Yeah, the, the long weekends are never long enough is something that I've come to realize in my life uh, since I've become a working adult, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, there was a lot of good hockey yesterday while I was stuffing my face with turkey. And uh, Saturday, we got ourselves a good Leafs game. They got the 5-2 win over the Detroit Red Wings. So we'll be recapping that game in just a couple of seconds. Later on today, we're also going to chat about Rasmus Sandin. He was sent down to the AHL, possibly the biggest news that we've received uh, for the Maple Leafs this season. And then tonight we got another game. The Minnesota Wild are in town, so we'll be teeing that up. But first, let's chat about Saturday night's 5-2 win against the Red Wings. What were your thoughts on it? I think it was one where, you know, the depth really shone through. And we talked about expecting the Maple Leafs to be the more talented team and for that to be what ultimately uh, overrides anything Detroit had to offer. And it was the bottom six. It was Freddie Goche. It was uh, Dimitro Timoshov. It was Nick Shore. It was uh, the bottom six really stood out and, and took control of this game. And, and it was just too much talent on the, on the Maple Leafs end for Detroit to be able to keep up with a team like this. That was exactly what it is. You know, once again, the story is about the bottom six stepping up while the top two just aren't able to find the score sheet. Uh, well, they found the score sheet, but they weren't impressive by any means. You know, that that Marner-Tavares cap in the line still really struggling. Like, at what point does Babcock just toss out the line blender and juggle things up? Uh, you talk about the depth stepping up, you know. Superman, Ilya Mikhaev with a goal <laughs> and a helper. But the real story, and honestly, who I thought arguably he was the best player in that game, uh, Freddie the Goat. You know, he was Absolutely. held up. He was held off the score sheet. Uh, but in just a short amount of his ice time was pretty low at 11 minutes, 12 seconds. But that was 11 minutes and 12 seconds of absolute mayhem. Like, he was such a buzz out there on the ice. He was 7-for-7 seven seven on the faceoff draws, not a single one in the O-zone. Yet, his course, he was at 72%. He had 18 chances for, as opposed to 7 uh, shots against while on the ice. And that's starting every single draw in the D-zone or neutral zone, which means that they were winning draws and getting the puck up there and just getting some chances. And he had five shots in the game, and in my opinion, three of those really quality chances, especially that one in in, uh, in the third period there. Jimmy Howard was exceptional in this one, too. Let's give him some credit. Both goalies, I thought, played really well, uh, made a couple of really big stops. But at the end of the day, I, I think that, you know, the bottom six for Toronto really won them this game. And Freddie the Goat was the guy who was able to kind of put the team on his back and play well in both ends and able to get a win. Yeah, and I thought, um, you know, we've talked at length here about the Nick Patan, Jason Spezza, Nick Shore, that sort of rotation of who will be on the bottom line. I thought Shore played really well. I mean, everybody on that bottom line. Dimitro Timoshov made the most of his chances. So uh, the bottom six, it's what you like to see, especially while we continue to wait for the Marner line to really, really, really get going as well. I thought Jake Muzzin played really well. Um, I thought I thought that was that was a strong point. We continue to uh, see mostly good returns from Muzzin and Barry, and, and again, 
uh, Riley, Muzzin, Barry, CC, all over 22 minutes a game. And we're going to get to this in the middle segment, but that sort of usage ends up being why you see Rasmus Sandin uh, being sent down, but not a ton of negatives really to take away from this one. Generally, everybody on the team, uh, positive five on five, even the lines that are struggling, uh, you know, controlling play and and at least looking better. There was there was some moments out of the gate where maybe they started a little bit slow, but I think I think they're just too good of a team to to really ha- have any concerns playing a team such as Detroit, especially on a Saturday night. Well, we talked about it when they lost to Tampa. You know, they start off slow, and against the good teams, you're not going to be able to do that. But against the bad teams like Detroit, uh, or I guess they're not a bad team, but like the worser teams. You know, you could kind of do that and you can collect yourself and level things out and then, you know, go on the attack and end up winning a game. It's it's the big games where you can't do that against the good teams like Tampa, like uh, St. Louis, you know, like Washington, who they're going to be playing tomorrow night. This is a team who just every single game, it seems like they're starting off slow. Uh, even even this one here, they give it the first goal in the first few minutes and within less than like within three minutes, my... my my prediction of a shutout went out the window, gone. <laughs> and it was it was funny because I was I was out for dinner watching the game with uh, with my family and um, my sister's boyfriend uh, was watching with me and I was like I-, I predicted a shutout. You watch three minutes in they score. He looks at me he's like How's that shutout going? I'm like Oh god damn it! <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's not his fault. That was Sandin. He just he he got outworked in front of the net. And that was the thing that I noticed. Uh, the two goals that that Detroit did score. Honestly, I felt were just a couple of, like, the two lapses, I guess, of the game cost the Leafs goals. The first one, when Delarose scored just a few minutes in, uh, Sandine, he got outworked and boxed out in front of the net for a garbage rebound goal. Uh, maybe Anderson should have had that one, but regardless, you know, that was the kind of play, I think, where you realize, oh, Sandine is kind of still learning the game a little bit. If he's getting boxed out by a guy like Delarose, maybe some time in the AHL to find himself, get a little bigger, get a little stronger, um, could work in his favor. And then the second goal, Sandy was also out on the ice, but this one was, again, a goal by Kapanen. Uh He wasn't following his man to the net, allowed Helm to sneak in and, and get the puck in front of the net and able to beat Freddie Anderson. But those are really the two lapses that I noticed. Unfortunately, they both turned out to be goals, but all around I thought it was a, a pretty decent game for the Maple Leafs. Yes, and that's... That's become a recurring theme. That's something we've talked about, uh, I think, in pretty much every game this season is is they have a tendency to give teams chances in every game. Um, obviously, you know, NHL teams are, are talented enough that they're going to make their own chances, but no matter how good the team they seem to be playing against, they, they always give them one or two chances to get back into the game. So that's something that needs to be cleaned up and hopefully uh, is addressed in this coming week. And it's going to be a big week. I mean, they got back-to-back games again to start here Tuesday and Wednesday. We have the the uh, the Minnesota Wild in town, which we'll touch on in segment three, and then tomorrow again on the back-to-back they have uh, the Washington Capital. So it's 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 going to be a busy week for them, and they can't get off slow in either of those games, especially against uh, Washington because uh, they're already going to be tired as as is going on night two of a back-to-back, but. We'll talk about that a little bit more uh, later on in this one. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Vivid Seats. We all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person 
for being there in the crowd to cheer on her favorite team. With Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, you can attend the concert or show of your choice and earn credit towards your next live event. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for the seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Vivid Seats, Re- Vivid Seats Rewards for the month of October earn double credit back from 10 to 16% on all your purchases through the Vivid Seats app. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help let you help you get to your favorite event. Enter the promo code POSTSEASON at the checkout and receive up to a $100 discount. So the biggest news... Of the week, or of the weekend for the Leafs, I believe, is the fact that Rasmus Sandin, the 19-year-old defender, got sent down to the AHL just a few games into his NHL tenure. Did you think that this was warranted? He had a really bad game against Detroit. No doubt that was his worst game of his career. But I didn't think he was playing that bad beforehand. Uh, did he deserve to go down? I think this is... An interesting discussion point about whether the true best way to develop someone is to let them be the man at a lower level a little longer or have them play smaller minutes in, in, a, in a bigger situation. I think the fact that he wasn't being used in the power play, the fact that he wasn't being used in the penalty kill, and the fact that the top 4D get used so much in every game, uh, there's not that many minutes for him to develop and he's at an age where he should be getting the opportunities to do a little bit of everything and seeing how well he can do them. I don't know that it was warranted in such a he's playing so bad you got to send him down sort of way, but I I do think it makes sense from a development standpoint to say, you know, he should be the guy. He should be the number 1 defenseman right now for the Marlies because that's what he needs to be in the future. This team is banking on him being a really important part of the blue line next year and the year after that and the year after that when they're going to have to decide on the UFA contracts for Muzzin and Barry and, and Cody Cece. There's going to be opportunities for him very, very soon. It just doesn't happen to be there right now. And I think this also means that Travis Dermott is probably not too far off. Um, we, we know Justin Hall hasn't played so poorly. Uh, Martin Marinchin's going to get in here. So... I think it's just a matter of, of there being a, a lack of room and a lack of time for him right now. I don't think he was playing especially poorly, especially with the puck. He, he looked calm. He looked cool. Um, but you did mention there a couple times against Detroit, he just sort of got out-muscled and out-maneuvered on the ice. So um, that's that's an area that he, he can focus on and, and improve on. The thing with, uh, you're talking about ice time, and you must have saw the quote that Mike Babcock said as to why they decided to send him down. And, and I'll read it for those who didn't see it. But essentially, he was asked by reporters, you know, how, what's the reasoning for sending Sandine back? We thought he was playing all right. And his answer was, quote, we can't get him on the power play in front of the guys we got. 
Can't get him on the penalty kill. So in the end, a real good night for him is just 14 minutes. Uh, whereas now, if he goes down to the Marlies, he can play in all areas, penalty kill, power play, such and such. So, which is kind of what you were saying, the fact that he, he can go down and be the number one guy, whereas here, as just a 19-year-old raw defender, he just can't get that ice time because, well, this is the show. This is this is where it counts most, and they can't develop you at the NHL level. If you, you, if you need to develop, you need to get there, that's going to have to happen in the AHL. And at the end of the day, that's where it's going to go. You're not going to take Riley off the power play just to see if 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 Sandine can get it done. You're not going to take Barry off the power play to see if Sandine can get it done. You're not going to take uh, Muzzin off the penalty kill. So, like, it makes sense. I get it. Uh, and at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not upset that he was sent down. And I think ultimately, you know, there are some flaws to his game. And we saw this happen a couple of years ago, too. I believe it was uh, Callie Rosen who you know, made the team out of camp after coming over from Europe and he looked really good in, in the first few games. But then afterwards, you know, people got some tape on him and they were able to kind of see his flaws a little bit and they were able to kind of pick at them. And it seems like maybe that's the case over the the past couple of games here, especially against Detroit. They knew, you know, what Sandine struggles with and they were going to try and outwork him and outbody him. And that's what they were able to do on a couple of occasions and it ended up costing him. And now he's down in the AHL. But I, I ultimately, I think that it's it's going to work out for, for Sandine. He also took a pretty big shot from Justin Applicator late in that game that yeah. Mike Babcock mentioned as part of the reasoning here. And, and not wanting him to be in those situations before he's physically able to handle it. So right. I think there are a lot of factors that go into making this decision and, and that ultimately... Uh, you know, 12 minutes a night, third-pairing defenseman isn't going to be a make-or-break thing. And, and you know, there's, there's no saying if he ends up being just an absolute stud in the AHL this year and somebody gets hurt and, and he ends up making the call and, and being a part of the team in an important part, uh, well, I think we'll be grateful that he was thrust into a bigger role at the AHL in the meantime. I, no question. I think he's back in the NHL at some point later in the year. I don't think he's down the AHL for the season. I think... He's got to go down, kind of collect himself a little bit, maybe get some more ice time on the power play and, and on the penalty kill, just kind of get a refresher. And then, I mean, this is hockey. People get injured all the time, whether it's either an injury or he outplays himself and ends up getting the call back up to the NHL. I think it's only a matter of time. Like, I don't see him spending more than a month down there. If he's if he's looking really good and, you know, he, he he's – putting up points on the power play. He's killing off penalties left, right, and center, and he's playing well in his own zone, and he looks to be a little more physical, then I think that, you know, the Leafs will have no choice but to call him back up and give him another shot. And so there, I, I don't yeah. think he's good down yeah. there for, for good. There is also the contract situation where they they get to push his uh, entry-level deal back another year if he doesn't play a certain amount of games, so... There could be an element to that that it, that is sort of just under the surface that is being presented as a strictly a uh, development opportunity. But I don't believe I don't believe that that works for European players. Though. I think that's just uh, with the CHL they, where you can send them back to to juniors. But if you're playing in the AHL, it's still pro and it counts against your your entry level deal. If I'm not mistaken. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So I don't think it has to do with that. I, I, at the end of the day, I think, you know, Babcock, I don't think he's lying when he says that, you know, we want to get him more ice time. 
and most most of that type of ice time, if, if you're only getting, you know, 13, 14 minutes, where are you going to try and get that other five, six minutes of ice time on special teams? And they just don't have, they can't do it right now. Now, next year, when they have half of their defense that's going to be gone, then I could see them, you know, having to play him on the penalty kill. Maybe he gets a shot on the power play if Barry doesn't get re-signed with this team. But for now, it's just not there with the guys that they have. So you got to send him down to, to get him that ice time. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I and I don't think, I don't think it's going to hold him back. I think it's it's what really matters is he's not going to have his development slowed with this opportunity. And uh, by all accounts, he's mentally uh, handling it very well and is, is excited about the opportunity and and doesn't see it as you know punishment, which is which is what you want in a young player and, and somebody who you are counting on to to continue developing because. You know the, the possession numbers have been positive, this, despite the fact that he gets bodied a little bit. Um, it, he's a heavy positive in, in almost every game he's played. So, so it's it's a big opportunity for him, uh, and I expect him to to really stand out at the AHL level this year. And with that, let's move on. And uh, just on the other side here, we'll preview the Minnesota Wild game that's happening tonight. But first. Night one of a back-to-back, the Minnesota Wild taking on our very own uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, night one of a back-to-back, so which means who's going to be in net tonight, Zubes? Tonight, it's going to be Frederick Anderson, of course. Why? Because that's what Babcock does. That's just what... Like, it's worth noting, Minnesota is playing their starter on the second night of a back-to-back against the Maple Leafs because well, the Maple Leafs are a tougher team. Well, he's coming off of a... Did he play last night or no? He did not. They played their backup last night in the first game of a back-to-back, and he got a shutout. Yeah. So, it's funny how that works, how you can play your backup <laughs> against a bad team and still get the victory and then have a much better chance at winning game two than you did if you're playing your back. I, like, I just, you know, we're, we're beating a dead drum, as we always do. Like, this just is something that he really needs to just break out of his mold and just try it, man. Just try it. Like, you think about like Anderson, why is he playing tonight's game against Minnesota, a Western Conference team who just got their first win of the season yesterday, and they're on their second night of a back-to-back. Instead of playing tomorrow against a rested Washington Capitals team, it's, I have, it's absurd. I, I, I will not be able to wrap my mind around this. It's just a, it's just, it's just a careless use of resources. I just think it's, it's just stubborn. It's the only way I can put it. I, I you know, it, there's no other way to think of it. It's just a stubborn. That's the way Babs is, and that's the way it's going to be. Because to me, it makes all the sense in the world to take a weaker team when you're rested and say we're going to give this one to our backup. We 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 assume Michael Hutchison can handle the Minnesota Wild, and then say, listen, we're gunning for a, a, a championship caliber team in the Washington Capitals the next night, which is an, which is a tougher game, and we're going to have a more tired team. That's when we need our better goalie to maybe. Steal a save or two for us here and there, and and that's that's just not going to happen. <laughs> no, I, like, and the fact that it's it's a road game too. So why why would you want to throw Hutchison out on the fire? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. And, and it it kind of leads to this question too. 
you know, we say that the Leafs under Babcock's tenure really haven't had a good backup goaltender and they haven't been able to find one. Maybe it's just the way that he's deploying it. Like, putting your backup goalie, he really only plays him on the second night of a back-to-back. That's really the only time backup goalies get any sense of consistent playing time under Babcock. And maybe that's the reason why we think Gary Sparks is so bad. Because he just is playing in front of a tired team every single time. And he's playing against whether it be the worst or the better team. But in a circumstance like this, and like we saw uh, just last week against Montreal, playing against the better team of the two on the second night of a back-to-back. Like, is Babcock kind of maybe the reasoning, the way that he's deploying his goaltending, the reason why Toronto can't get a consistent backup goaltender? Like, yeah. I mean, listen. If we want to look, if we want to look forward, there are four back-to-backs in October, right? We had we had Columbus, Montreal, and Anderson played Columbus, and Hutchinson played Montreal. We've got Minnesota, Washington this week, and Anderson plays Minnesota. Hutchinson plays Washington. There's two more in this month. They they do Columbus, Boston back-to-back, and San Jose, Montreal back-to-back. So you mean to tell me oh. you're going to play Hutch- you're going to play Hutchinson against Montreal twice and Boston, and let Anderson play Columbus twice? Minnesota and San Jose. It just makes no sense. It's just those that those four alone, those matchups, do more than enough to explain why this is a problem. And, and yeah, I don't envy Michael Hutchinson. If you're only if you're only ever playing in front of a, behind a tired team in tougher games, how are you supposed to establish a rhythm or or be you know a worthwhile piece of a goaltending rotation? I liken it to you remember back when they used to play. Uh was it called uh, the millionaire want to be a millionaire game and, mm-hmm. and just kind of follow me here so you play you know who wants to be a millionaire and then you would tackle all the easy questions and then you get harder you get these lifelines you get the call a friend lifeline I always thought that is so cheesy you're making your friend look dumb because if you don't know the question it's obviously a difficult question a very hard question and you're thinking that this random guy who you're just calling up out of the blue is going to know this question off the top of his head. And then if he gets it wrong, everyone's like, ah, oh, you idiot. It's like, well, you asked him the question that nobody knew. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like this. It's like, well, he's playing against the team that is better than him. He's he's shorthanded from the start due to playing with a, a more tired team. Like, it's not his fault that he's getting peppered like he did back in, in Montreal. The team just... You know, after on a back-to-back night in the third period, they just collapsed. They had played too much in a 24-hour span, and they just couldn't keep up with Montreal. And Hutchinson got left out to dry, and that's what happened. So, like, if that happens again tomorrow, and then, you know, if it happens again uh, against, who do you say, Boston and Montreal again? Like, these are key divisional matchups. You cannot, cannot give away points here. I can't stress that enough how important those points are going to be, especially when it comes down to the playoffs at the end of the year. So, Babcock, please, man, please think about coming out of your shell and doing something different for a change. Yeah, especially oh. the, especially, especially the Boston back-to-back. If, if, if Boston isn't enough to break you out of that shell, then, then boy, mercy help us because that's got to be – that's got to be the choice. You have to prioritize these games beyond just starter one, backups, backup two. It, you just you have to have a, a flexible, agile 
mindset around these things because to us it seems fairly obvious and, and I don't think Frederick Anderson is so fragile that that he is demanding he play the first game every time I, I don't believe that to be the case either all right well I think that's enough uh, backup starter back-to-back goalie chat for the day because I'm sure we'll talk about it a little more tomorrow when we get back into this but uh, let's let's move on and let's what, what are your three keys to this game tonight against Minnesota at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I really think this is the Tavares-Marner breakout game. I know <laughs> that it's unfair to just say that every single game. Hey, but eventually, you're going to be right. <laughs> it just To me, it just lines up that you're looking at a team in the second half of a back-to-back, a team that isn't that deep to start with. They have, you know, it, it's an older core. Their, their, their top players are just on the tail end of their primes. There's opportunities to catch. This team feeling tired, feeling uh, you know overworked, and to really take advantage of some skill. And I really, really, really believe that that line is tired of hearing about how they have to step up. And tonight is the night where they put on a show. All right, another key for me. I kind of talked about it a, a moment ago as well, but they got to get a good start. Too many slow starts, and it's it, you know. Sometimes when you're playing against a, a more, uh, you know, a worse team, you can get away with it. But why bother? Let's get off to a good start. Let's let's score the first goal, score the second goal, and then maybe lay back a little bit and then just play your game. But they gotta they gotta start well. Like I'm I'm sick of these slow starts. It's been how many games are we like four of the games so far this year where they've allowed the first like they gotta get going quick. Yeah, agreed. Well, and one more key. What do you got? I mean, <laughs> the goaltending. I, I, you know, <laughs> I think uh, I think it's important if if you're gonna play your number one the first night, he better have a good game. I like that Anderson seems to have um, really solidified himself in the last couple games. Uh, I expect that to continue going on, and and along with that, um, you know, without Rasmus Sandin, the spotlight is on that bottom pairing to see who is going to earn that playing time alongside uh, Dermot when he gets back. So spotlight is on the third pairing. Yeah, and it looks like for tonight it's going to be Marincin and Hole. Uh, Justin Hall as that third-line pairing defenseman. And then Timoshev, Gore, or Gore, <laughs> Timoshev, Shore, and Gauthier uh, will be the fourth line. And looks like everything else remains the same. So makes sense. Makes I think sense. actually the only difference between this game and the D- the Detroit game is that Marincin is playing in place of uh, uh, Rasmus Sandin. Other than that, that's right. Exact same lineup. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. Maybe it'll change up tomorrow. Predictions. Uh, we're gonna go four-one Maple Leafs. I'll go. It's a six-two Leafs. Wow. I think the GOAT keeps her going. I think the GOAT nice. scores tonight. Okay. He's due. He's due. You know, like, we, we, he's a, he was on pace for a 40. He's kind of slowed down a little bit in the goal scoring category. So he's due. <laughs> he's due. Let's see it. Ready to go. Get it done. 6-2. But, uh, I like it. <laughs> you know, they got to win. You know, just the fa- if you're going to play Anderson, you need to win this game. Agreed. I agree. All right. 
That's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You could subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And follow Zoobs at the underscore Zoobs. Be sure to check back in here tomorrow where we'll be recapping tonight's game and previewing the game against the Washington Capitals. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs. Woo!